Shall we begin? Why not? Welcome to Frankie Sense and More. It's like she's got a whole lot of goodness for you with a little bit of sass. Frankie, did you just say... She sure did. Not to mention, along with... Whoops. Join us now as Frankie Picasso and her new co-host mix it up with authors, musicians, and interviews with world-changing people. Let's begin Okay, let's begin now, because it only makes sense. Hello there, and welcome to Frankie's Sense and More. Wow, as usual, I should say, today we have two of my favorite peeps here. We've got Bianca Rakoy and Rob Lowe is with us. But before I introduce you to them, I want to tell you a little story. And I do have a purpose for it. There's a gentleman by the name of Daryl Davis. Now, Daryl is a 58-year-old blues musician, and he is black, and he has a very unique hobby. He has spent the last three decades befriending white supremacists. Now, it's, it's absolutely amazing, but he has learned that the most effective way to get a KKK member to retire his hood is with friendship. And he goes to where they live, and he meets them at their rallies, and he never tries to convert them. He simply becomes friends with them, and just by that friendship, they give up their KKK on their own. He says, it's a wonderful thing when you see a light bulb pop on in their head, and they call you, and they tell you that they're quitting. He goes, I never set out to convert anyone in the clan. I just set out to get an answer to my question. How can you hate me when you don't even know me? I simply give them a chance to get to know me, and I treat them the way I want to be treated. They come to their own conclusion that this ideology is no longer for them. And he is actually uh, the star of a documentary called Accidental Courtesy, uh, Daryl Davis, Race and America. And it's on Netflix, so you can watch that trailer, and that's pretty exciting. Now, the reason I brought this up was twofold. We all remember Charlottesville last weekend. But a good friend of mine posted this week on Facebook, and I couldn't believe it. She has um, been in a, in a interracial marriage for 30 years. You know, her family is a unique blend of black and white and everything in between. And she has been receiving death threats death threats this week and you know a barrage of name calling and all kinds of really stupid stuff and it was very disturbing and and i know that she was very disturbed her and her husband both do a lot to teach about black history uh they host in the summer they host a a big concert um for the underground railroad because um her husband is five generations in canada now and his ancestors came through the Underground Railroad, so they support that. And it's really exciting, and it's wonderful, and they're amazing people. And I think it's really, you know, horrific that people would, you know, reach out to her and uh, say they want to kill her. But in, in her response, because she is an amazing woman, she just offers them love and light, because that's who she is. Now, today, uh, my two guests also offer love and light, and that's you know, really amazing. So they are both healers in very different ways, uh, but they both bring positive energy to the world. And for that, I want to thank them for their efforts in advance. Bianca Rakoy, she's a mom, a writer, a meditation teacher, and an advocate for holistic health. She is on a mission to transform healthcare by empowering individuals to embody mindfulness and meditation in a conscious effort to eliminate lifestyle diseases, reduce medication dependency, and create whole and healthy communities. Rob Lowe, 
he is with us, and you're going to come to find out he has a larger-than-life personality, uh, but he has been in traditional healthcare for many, many years, and after reading about people doing amazing things in the world, Rob decided to join them, and he created a show about giving back. He launched, uh, it was launched on the 4th of July in 2016, the Giving Back Podcast, and he shines the spotlight on people and organizations making a difference in their communities. Welcome, both of you. Thank you so Hi, much for having you. us, Frankie. Oh, I'm I'm just so so blessed that you're both here. I'm going to start with Bianca for a moment. Rob, you feel free to ask her any questions you want, and vice versa, uh, Bianca. Um, Bianca, you graduated from Cal State University uh, in the field of communications, but you ended up working in healthcare management for four years in both private practice settings and a large public hospital. Um, you worked in women's health. Uh, family medicine and oncology. Now, you identified meditation for mindfulness as a lifestyle, as the missing link in a patient's ability to recover from chronic illness. Now, before I ask you to address this, I am going to say that you yourself were diagnosed at the age of 19 with Hashimoto's uh, thyroiditis, and you eliminated the use of thyroid medication, and you began your journey of self-healing, and you eliminated eliminated that autoimmune disease uh, through nutritional regimen and meditation. How amazing is that by the time you were 22? Yeah, (laughs) that's a lot to take in uh, about myself when I hear it. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, so I um, sort of ended up in healthcare by default. Um, All of my aunts were in healthcare, um, in private practice, and sort of after graduation, you know, I was in that, what am I going to do with my life phase? And um, so the opportunity came up to work in healthcare, and I was simultaneously um, battling uh, the thyroid issue at the time. And so I just wanted, I just wanted to make sure that people understood that you, um, after you cured yourself, you you pursued a certification as a holistic health coach um, at the Institute of Integrative Nutrition. That's pretty exciting. Yeah. yeah. So tell us, tell us, you know, how you jumped from, oh my God, I've got, you know, Hashimoto, which, you know, is not the most pleasant, uh, to I've cured myself. Yeah. So I spent, um, I was diagnosed at 19. So I spent about three years. Um, you know, when I first, I kind of to go back to the doctor's office, first of all, when, um, I had started experiencing symptoms of like extreme fatigue, um, to the point where I was completely oblivious to what was even happening to me. Um, it was something that my mom had to go, Hey, do you realize that you're napping all the time that you're sort of, you know, in fog brain, I was sleeping, maybe, you know, taking naps for a couple hours and then still going to bed early and still waking up tired. And I couldn't even see what was happening. I was just so unaware of it. And my mom, uh, you know, suggested that I go to the doctor and lo and behold, my hormones were like three times under the normal level of where they should be. So they immediately, um, the doctor immediately put me on an extremely high dose of medication. And, Mm -hmm. you know, when I was diagnosed, when he said you have hypothyroid, it wasn't like I wasn't sitting there going, oh my God, I have this lifelong disease because I I had no idea what it was. Um, He briefly sort of explained it. And then it was like, here's your prescription. And then I'm off. 
right? So, so were, had you gained weight or lost weight? Or I had gained um, about 15 pounds really rapidly within mm-hmm. a, a few, uh, a couple of weeks, and which was not, you know, my yeah, that's typical. crazy. I was a runner and it was sort of out of nowhere. And that's one of the other things that my mom had brought to my attention because again, I'm like, you know, just completely oblivious to my own body and what's going on. Um, You know, so I left the doctor's office with the prescription and I get back in the car with my mom and she's like, I tell her kind of what's happening, but I really still don't know what's happening. And it isn't until I get to the pharmacy and I ask the pharmacist how long I'm supposed to be on the medication. I'm thinking, you know, this is like a couple of weeks, a couple of months, that she looks at me and says, you know, people who are on this medication are generally on it for life. And that was really the moment where I was like. So that pierced the fog? That pierced the fog. That was it. I'm going to stop you there for a moment. Rob, you're a nurse. Have you yes. ever heard of anybody curing themselves? I I have never heard of anybody being able to cure themselves like that, and it's really quite remarkable. I mean, first of all, that your mom, um, like she noticed something like that, when, and she's so close, but and it's great because I'm going to tell you right now, the last thing that my mom noticed about me and that she encouraged <laughs> me, she said, you know, son – it's awesome that you're on a podcast because you've really got a face for radio. And I said, wow. <laughs> so, so, you know, I mean, that's awesome. And it's wonderful that she like noticed something like that and yeah. actually encouraged you. But I have never heard of people, um, you know, really undergoing that and being able to cure it. I mean, that's, that's absolutely remarkable. I've, I've, I've just been so silent, just like thinking about all the things that you could do. And I mean, what are, what are some of the different, um, you know, lifestyle changes or different medications? What, you know, yeah. what did you take? What, what did you do? Like the first medication that they gave you, like how long did that take to kind of go, Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Now I know what's going on. Now I realize I was so tired and Yeah, well, that sort of pierced the fog, so to speak. But I still at that point was like, okay, well, this medication is going to fix everything, right? Mm -hmm. That was my assumption. So fast forward three years later, when not only am I experiencing the same symptoms, I'm still gaining weight, I'm still tired, I'm still on a very high dose. And now I'm getting tachycardic, my heart is like racing, like I'm marathon mm-hmm. running when I'm just laying in bed. And it could the be doctors, scary. Yeah, the doctors are telling me like your labs are fine. We don't know what's wrong. And, you know, at that point, I'm like, okay. <laughs> uh, you know, that was sort of my rock bottom. I mm-hmm. felt like um, I had to take it into my own hands. So to answer your question, I, it was just, it was a, it was a completely intuitive journey. I don't know what in my head was saying, you know, one, this is not your reality forever. Two, you can you can totally overcome this. And I don't I don't uh, recommend this to anybody. But I got off of the medication. I went cold turkey to really figure out what was going on with my body, and it was a lot of. Um, self-exploration through meditation. Um, and of course I defaulted by 
starting with nutrition because I, of course I thought, well, that has to impact my body in some way. And so Mm -hmm. I went cold Turkey with, with dairy, with meat. And so, uh, being, so what you went vegan. Yeah. Vegan for me was step one. Okay. Did you, did you also cut out the gluten? Cause I, my understanding is that gluten is, is sometimes will relieve at least the symptoms. Yeah. Um, I actually didn't. Um, I had it occasionally. Um, it wasn't until maybe a year after that I was more conscious of the gluten intake. Um, but well, I we're had going to commercial break. I got to stop you both. We're going to go to commercial. We'll find out more when you come back. Frankie Sense and more. We'll be right back after we pay the bills. official 4th of July party was held at the White House in 1801. But did you know that countries other than the U.S. celebrate American Independence Day or July 4th? Denmark, Italy, Portugal, and England all have 4th of July parties. In fact, the British celebrate their independence with bungers and fizz gigs, otherwise known as firecrackers, just like in America. Squib is slang for an electric match used in pyrotechnics. Our dog celebrates July 4th every year the same way, by cowering under the bed. Many European celebrations take place, of course, at American military bases. I'd like to send a special thanks to all our armed forces stationed around the world for everything you do to provide freedom and independence to America. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Since October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, I want to encourage you to maintain your body weight or lose weight if you're overweight. Taking care of your weight is one positive way to cut your risk of breast cancer. Research shows that being overweight or obese, especially if you're past menopause, increases your risk, especially if you put the weight on as an adult. According to the National Institute of Health, 64% of women in the U.S. are overweight and or obese. A study by researchers at UT MD Anderson Cancer Center showed that obese and overweight women also had lower breast cancer survival rates and a greater chance of more aggressive disease than average weight or underweight women. Living a healthy lifestyle of daily exercise and nutritious eating will keep the weight off and lower your risk of breast cancer. I'm Annette Hammond. It's Frankie Sensen Mori, and I am your host, Frankie Picasso, and my guests today are Bianca Ricoy and Rob Lowe. Before we went to break, Bianca was just starting to tell us how she started to cure Hashimoto. She started with uh, becoming a vegan. And then a year later, she started looking at the gluten combo. And what happened then, Bianca? Well, then I was going to uh, the doctor at that point, checking my blood every three months. I mean, I'll say within maybe a month of the dietary changes, I lost all of the weight that I couldn't get rid of in like the three years prior. And my energy came back and it was... It was a funny experience to have it all come back and be like overjoyed and excited. And at the same time, (laughs) there was this simultaneous like uh, upset because had somebody told me, you know, three years before that I could have 
done something right. that would have helped me manage it, you know. So there was all of that happening. But but um, do you really think that, that you know, everybody who's, who has Hashimoto can just become vegan and it's gone? No. Well, I did plateau on the diet. So I okay. hit a point in my lab work where, you know, it, my uh, TSH markers, which is sort of the signal from your brain to your thyroid, um, that tells it to produce more of the hormone. Mm-hmm. Um, it was still very high, even though my the other markers were uh, stable. That number was still off, and it was still of concern to the doctors. So, um, at that point, I had to go a little bit deeper, and that's when I started to get serious about my meditation practice. Oh, okay. uh, yeah, and ultimately. What I realized was that, um, you know, it was it was just a stress response. There was, um, you know, certain things, the way I handled certain situations in my environment that were triggering this stress response that was just a pattern for me for most of my life. Ah, um, and it was interesting into that pattern and cutting it off sort of on a physiological level through mm-hmm. visualization um, and breathing that mm-hmm. uh, allowed me to to uh, to fully heal. That makes sense. So, so you're you you have a um, you're calling disease a behavior. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you went into the subconscious and became you know got in charge of of you know the uh, control panel and you go okay I'm just going to dial that down that that yeah. doesn't go there anymore. Exactly. Wow. wow. And that... yeah, that's something else. Wow. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty impressed with that next stage that you took, right? Because yeah. like most people don't, wouldn't necessarily think about that. I mean, were you a very, you know, kind of hippy dippy woo woo type of person before that? Or I was, was... I, yeah, I was absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> um, not to that extent, you know, it was always, I mean, I've always been open spiritually. Right. Um, there was no, there was nothing that was ever no religion or belief that was really imposed on me. So I had this curiosity. Um, I was, I was definitely actually into uh, Buddhism, you know, early in college, but it was around the same time that that was happening, that I was starting to open up to, to spirituality um, because of this journey. Um, but I definitely, you know, like if you had told me that med- meditation could actually cure a disease, I would have, you know, meditation scares a lot of people, you know, they think that they can't do it or they can't do it right. I mean, I can't even imagine Rob sitting still for five minutes. So how... <laughs> I can't even imagine myself sit, sitting still to breathe. So, uh, I yeah. mean, the, so you know, how would somebody like that meditate or me? Cause I can't do it either. Like for me, I meditate when I'm driving, it's a trans state, you know, or, yeah. or when I'm walking somewhere in, in another trans state, right. Yeah. Um, you don't have to just sit there with your legs crossed in lotus position and, you know, hands it with mudra and, and go, ah, right? <laughs> no. Um, and actually, you know, I've really, since starting on that journey, I've brought in my definition of meditation to just be this moment-to-moment awareness. It's not a cushion practice. It's not about sitting down. It's about being able to really observe yourself from mm-hmm. third person. And that's not something you have to do just sitting down or with your eyes closed because it's like going to a retreat 
and you know um going to a retreat and and meditating for seven days and then coming back to the city and not being able to handle your stress there's no point of of you know right doing that so it's the same concept in day-to-day meditation even though um like sitting practice is great because it strengthens that awareness in the moment to moment your real meditation is being able to observe yourself um you know completely detach from your identity mm-hmm. to be able to look at like oh look at what bianca does when somebody upsets her <laughs> you know right what, yeah. how she reacts that to me is meditation watch your patterns and and yeah. that's interesting rob you um y- you had a, a stress response and started your your podcast oh my gosh i can't believe you remember that wow <laughs> wow that's really impressive that's really impressive. So when you were talking about stress, it reminded me of a stress response that I had. I was working at a, um, I was working for a, in a in a clinic, um, a really really busy one. It was full of all types of um, really really super fabulous people. Not, and you know, a, an, an arena free of judgment. Not really, and. It was just an incredibly, incredibly difficult time in my life. And I, I like to say that I just wasn't the right person at the right time. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, I was just so stressed out. One day I woke up and I felt a bit of tingling and I was kind of curious about it. I went to work anyway, you know, got to get to work and said at one point, you know, I got to, I'm feeling something weird. And I think I noticed this little bit of a twitch here and it's so odd that you know, I actually think I need to go to the emergency department. So I went down there, and I see like my face is starting to melt off. Like half of my face is starting to slide off. And I'm looking at going, my God, am I having a stroke? What the heck is this? It, it was something called Bell's palsy, which is it's not a stroke. It's it's not, um, you know, I mean, I'm cracked in the skull, but it it has doesn't have to do with it. It's really a um, really understood to be a stress response, and literally half of my face was just paralyzed, and I couldn't talk. And I was talking like this, and it was going to be really hard to 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 have a podcast. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean it's facial paralysis. It's a temporary facial paralysis, right? Temporary, right? Temporary. Yeah. But but nonetheless, it was it was quite scary. And, yeah, no kidding. You know, that focus on how do you react, how do you respond? You know to what Bianca was saying in, in my case, I mean, I'd spent years working on me, um, in, in, you know, that's no, that's no small thing. And it, even with that, like I had to take it to another level to, to really come to grips with how stressful it was. I mean, in my case, I just, I quit. I left. I mean, I just understood it. That wasn't it. And the good part was, um, it, it kicked off the show. Um, it really got, the giving back podcast underway, which was, I mean, that's really where I was going all along. How long did the paralysis last for? So in, in my, generally it lasts about, um, about six to six weeks to about three months. I was really, yeah, I was really lucky in like two weeks. It was like 90% gone. I was really, um, you know, you know, when you can't do anything, you can't see how it's working. It's discouraging, but I just kept like move, I kept like moving my mouth around and opening my eyes and, and twitching around and really trying to work it. And so it, I think it sped that up, you know, it, yeah. just, it sped How that up. How long did really the fear fast. last? 
Wow. Oh gosh, uh, fear. You mean like past this morning fear or (laughs) oh my god look what's happening in my face and you know what's going to happen to me for the rest of my life like did you not feel fear at the in that moment when i i was i was i felt very lucky because um i knew what bell's palsy was Mm -hmm. and as much as it freaked me out it gave me it actually got worse most of the time people wake up and it's there and so for me it actually got worse and worse and worse and i i it was funny because i told um, I told the folks who were taking care of me in the emergency department, I said, you know, I really, I really need to go. Um, I, I have an ACDC concert and I am not. In this <laughs> so, so when you see me, when you see me, when I go into the show, I look different than afterwards. And so I like to tell people that, you know, that show, it just basically melted my face. Right. Uh, so, yeah. That's hilarious. So not not too long, but you know, it, it really did it really did cause me to step back. And one of the things that my my doctor told me, he says, you know, that they they say, you know, maybe it could be, you know, a number of things, a virus, you know, it could yeah. be an an inflammatory disease. He said essentially what it comes down to is it's stress. And you you, my friend, need to get a handle on this. Otherwise, this is not only going to happen more, but other things are definitely going to be happening to you, right? Holy and that crap. was like yeah. huge, huge wake-up call to me. You so know? Is, is this one of those things like like um, any autoimmune kind of that, that is just will live inside you and can be triggered again? So – so it's interesting because my wife has um, – she does have an autoimmune uh, condition mm-hmm. and it's not, it's not like that. It, you know, it's not like that or MS or, or lupus or something like that. This is, this is more kind of a latent thing. And on average, it can pop up every – I think it's like every nine years. So I can expect oh, okay. this you know, again in like nine years or like seven years from now. But I, I don't know. It's 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 manageable. It's manageable, and fortunately, it wasn't a freaking heart attack or a yeah. Or but a is stroke, there a way you that know? that you would be able to differentiate that between a stroke and and Bell's palsy if yeah. you were going to experience it yourself? Yeah. Others so listening. First of all, if I if I was looking at it, you can see that it's it's going to be almost exclusively your face and only your face. Okay. And like you won't, it won't manifest itself in like, you know, hands and, you know, arm movement and leg movement. It'll just, it'll really almost exclusively be just your face. But, you know, I, I mean, there's, there's other people who are more qualified, including freaking Bianca here, you know, to talk about some of this stuff. I mean, I'm just kind <laughs> of like, a, you know, I'm, I'm kind of along for a ride. I, I, it's interesting. I didn't expect not. to be talking about this, you know, about my about my health issues on this show. We're talking about everything. This well, is my you know, show. Inter- we get to talk about whatever exactly, we want. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting because when you and I first met, you know, we were talking about how it, it's, you know, life isn't really – I don't really believe in coincidence. I do believe in serendipity. And yes. I was just about to launch a much, much different show. And it was much more commercially oriented. I'm going to stop you because we're going to go commercial break and I don't want to miss it. But when we come back, we're going to talk about the show that Rob was going to launch. And we're also going to talk about what it was like for him to turn 50 and have his midlife crisis and what kind of car did he buy. We'll be right back. We're just (laughs) getting warmed up. Frankie Sense and more will be right back after we pay the bills. It's Marching man cannot live by bread alone. He must have his peanut butter. Peanut butter is a pate of childhood, and it's not just for kids as dogs love it too. Last night I gave my dog a pill hidden in peanut butter. 
What's a word for a messy concoction that helps the medicine go down? Sliver sauce. Mice apparently prefer peanut butter to cheese when it comes to luring them into the trap. But there are even more practical uses for peanut butter. Peanut butter contains natural oils, which makes it perfect for removing all kinds of sticky things, like gum stuck in your shoe or in your hair. What's a word for the fear of peanut butter sticking to the roof of your mouth? Arachibutophobia. And according to Barry Goldwater, if you don't mind smelling like peanut butter for two or three days, peanut butter is a darn good shaving cream. It's marching day. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Holiday dinners should be uplifting and happy, but throw into the mix an enormous turkey, butter-laden side dishes, and a multitude of desserts. And for those of us who are trying to make good, healthy choices, we have a recipe for a nutritional disaster on our hands. To indulge in the meal for an evening is truly fine, but watch out for those leftovers. The biggest issue is not the actual holiday meal, whether it's Thanksgiving or Christmas. The problem is the next few days afterwards, where we consume all the delicious leftovers. Don't set yourself up to do the same thing. Enjoy the holiday meal, but have good food on hand and plan your meals for the next few days. While everyone else is eating all those high-calorie leftovers and feeling overstuffed, you can be eating your normal, healthy meals and feeling great. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Well, I know that you all have been sitting waiting patiently, patiently, to find out what kind of show was Rob going to host. <laughs> and didn't. <laughs> yeah, that was a that, good, good segue. Good, good segue, yeah. Frankie. So, you. you know, it was really much more commercially oriented. It was going to be about people developing platforms for themselves, right? Online platforms, which are really like their brand. And, you know, it's amazing. It really is amazing with the internet, how anything that's so small in a community, when you take it out to, you know, the entire U.S., to the entire, you know, English speaking world and then out to the globe, it's, it's, you know, your, your niche, your hobby, your interest is mm-hmm. really quite large. And so what it was exciting to me in some ways because it was going to be a great learning experience, but you know, I, I was like, well, you know, this is all great and, and all, all fancy and all that stuff. But, um, and I'm sure that, I mean, there's just every, you know, everything from Kung Fu to, you know, dry gardening to ceramics to, I don't, you know what, I mean, it's, yeah. it's amazing. And it, and it's, and it's great that way because people are connecting, but it wasn't, it wasn't really something that I felt in me, you know, cause I thought, oh, I've, I've talked to a couple of these people and all their stories are kind of the same. They got to meet great people, which is cool. They got to meet people that they, and, and travel, um, which they never thought about before. And then they were making money too. And that was great, but it was kind of all the same. Whereas, yeah. you know, I had been looking at people, hometown heroes, essentially, right? Yeah. Who, who were just doing these really wonderful things, really wonderful things um, to help other people and to take care of people. And just, you know, I, I'm looking at it going, wow, these are really super cool people. I'm reading about them and I know that they're all around us. And I, I started to reach out to some of them and have conversations and meet with them just because, I don't know, just because they were like really cool to 
you know, hear yeah. about and, and, you know, find out more, right? It's much, much more than the stories in the newspaper. So I, I just decided, you know, when I had that Bell's palsy, you know, after uh, ACDC melted half my face, yep. I decided. Or gave it back to you. Yeah, exactly. I decided to get it back in that way, right? And I yeah. said, okay, let's let's do this. Let's see if there are people who are um, who are interested in coming on on the show and talking about it, which they were. And let's see if people are interested in hearing about these people. Yes, they are. And um, let's just, you know, let's just rock and roll. And the the type of people that we've had on the show have really, I mean, they've really been remarkable, you know, really remarkable. Everything from Pulitzer Prize winning artists to um, we had, uh, are you guys familiar with the Ice Bucket Challenge? Yep. Yeah. So Nancy Frades, who is the mom of Pete Frades, who uh, who has ALS, she came on and she was oh my god, I mean warm and wonderful and that would be like know, one of the best challenges like that people embraced. It totally and, totally. and you know it, yeah. it, and like there was stories and lessons behind it, right? So like I, I essentially there's like ninety percent of us or more, maybe like ninety nine percent of us, you know, we want to be givers. Right. Right. We don't want to be takers. And the hard thing is that when when you it feels so overwhelming, something that outrages you, yeah, you know, about mm-hmm. something that's going on. It it doesn't have to be political. It's just this, you know, whatever's happening. You know, it could be human trafficking or homelessness or, you know, abused animals, whatever it is, sometimes it feels too big. You know, it's too yep. freaking overwhelming. Well, you know, the, the way these people started, you know, we look at them now, you know, whether it's, you know, raising a quarter of a billion dollars, you know, for men's health or whether it's, you know, starting a um, a mobile, you know, animal food delivery system. Right. Yeah, for, yeah. for, you know, for people in the community, it, they all started like they all started with themselves and they started doing stuff and it. It naturally grew, and then they started meeting other people. I mean, the, it, it, you know, when you look at what's happened to them, it's really amazing to see this whole thing about karma. You know, what goes around comes around, and, you know, you hear the yeah. stories of, you know, you hear this old adage of, you know, you get more than you give. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, you know, it's repeatedly true. It's repeatedly true. Not that it's easy for them. Right. Sometimes it's really hard and especially yeah. as they get bigger and they grow more and they they have different challenges. But, you know, they're like in this constant state of receiving. Right. They're in this constant state of of receiving back due to their own efforts of, of giving like and not expecting anything in return. Well, that's, you know, very similar to this show in, in the good radio was you know, the idea that if we can show people who want to do something, how it's done by modeling others. And that's really what you're doing too. I mean, you're, you're telling people and you're inspiring them with these amazing stories, but at the same time, you're showing them, you know what, if you have an idea and you want to do something, this is how it's done. You know, you just get out of your way, get out of your own way and just do it. And there's no, there's no way to do it except jump in and do it. You You, know, you you want to be an activist, you jump in and do it. Yeah. You just jump in and do it. I mean, you hit it right on the head is that, um, I was I was talking to somebody about how the podcast gets started and then like as I started working with individuals and I started working with organizations and companies and I said, well, how did you do it? What was – well, no. He asked, what was stopping you, right? Mm-hmm. What was stopping you? And I just said – I said, well, just give me a mirror and I'll show you, man. It was me. I mean I'm, I'm in the way, right? And right. you know sometimes – like you, you go in this journey where you start 
learning about stuff and you want to find out more like this idea about um, about what you what you get and by giving, you know, and then I start reading, you know, some books like uh, uh, Give and Take by Adam Grant. It's this wonderful story, stories and the study of what makes these great leaders and um, and how they got there and their method and what people get from it. And, you know, as you look at that more and more realizing, hey, you know, there's something to this that goes beyond the personal part. Um, and then you start to, for myself, I start digging in and saying, well, this is, this is what I think I have to offer. So when somebody like, um, when somebody like Josh Coombs, who he's the founder, he's one of the co-founders of hashtag do something for nothing. I mean, he's been all over the world cutting hair, uh, for the homeless. And he went out to Greece and he was cutting hair and for people who were, uh, who were refugees, right? He was mm-hmm. in, I mean, all over the place. Now, he goes on something like a National Geographic documentary. He goes on a panel with, uh, with Morgan Freeman. And you, you see like this, this sense of like who he is and giving back. And, but it all started with him doing something that made him feel really freaking good and yeah. just saying, you know what? I want other people to experience this. So that they can feel it and they will do, they will go on their own path, you know, their own journey. You know what I mean? Yeah. And Bianca, you do that too because you've got videos on YouTube. You help people meditate. You tell them stories. Yeah. Well, actually, I just wanted to, to add to that. Um, you know, some we do get in our own way. And I think that was the, after going through this whole journey and like you said, it's it's pretty miraculous. Like, how many people do you know who, you know, uh, can cure their their autoimmune disease? And when I looked back and I thought, like, I have this responsibility now <clears throat> to tell people and to share the story. And at first, it seems daunting. Like, <laughs> yeah, how, you know, how many? How can I reach that many people? You know, and. But I think, you know, beyond all of, you know, the things that we can do, all of the uh, activism, you know, that I want to do, and it can be as simple as telling your story. And yeah. I think that's that's something that I would really I like just to had say. a thought, though. When you were yeah. meditating, um, yeah. were you consciously meditating and going, okay, disease, you're gone now? <laughs> like, did you do that? Yeah. Like, did you, that, like, what were your words? Did you have I a, a would, mantra? I would, um, I researched essentially like which parts of the brain were responsible for, you know, sending the message to the thyroid. What was Mm -hmm. the thyroid doing? You know, where then did the hormones get converted? So I was picturing, I was visualizing this whole change, this whole chain from my brain to my thyroid to my liver, because that's where the main conversion happens. And then visualizing all of the cells converting that energy so it was a lot of visualization um more than a mantra but yeah that makes total sense you know i interviewed um bruce lipton you guys know who he is Mm -hmm. bruce lipton was you know um cellular biologist and and bruce in what in his book biology of belief he he wrote that we all have imaginal cells in our body and these imaginal cells can become whatever we need them to be and as you were doing your visualization, um, 
you were creating these imaginal cells to go and remove whatever or change and do what they needed to do the right way instead of the wrong way. And, yeah. and like, he totally believes in that. And now he's a guy who came up with stem cell research. So the guy who comes up with stem cell research can tell you that you've got these imaginal cells in your body and they can become whatever you want them to be. Um, you have to believe it. And, you know, you just happen to be able to really tap into to your visual and like work on, on that path you know, and, and yeah. create what you needed them to create. That's pretty, it's pretty incredible. Not everybody can do it, but you were able to do it. I want to give out your website right now. Uh, it's sacred woman, womb, and W O M B A N.com. Very clever. Yeah. And Rob is, is um, giving back podcast.com just so we get those in there. <laughs> do you have any, um, Oh, and I promise to tell everybody what kind of car Rob bought last weekend. Well, I mean, talking a little bit about, you know, manifesting and I yep. could do it in my body, but I was thinking about, oh, you know, you could I'm do it in your body, I'm, but you decided not. To. I decided, you know, I said, oh, you know, what? I want, I a, a you know, I want a roadster and I want a, con- you know, a manual and it's got to be a convertible and bing, there it was. So I got a, I got a Z3, I got a BMW Z3 convertible. It's a five speed. It is a joy to drive. It's like rattly and it's just. It's just so awesome. And I have like this unlimited shits and giggles when I am driving it. It's awesome. So who was the first passenger? Oh, well, so my first, the first passenger besides the first, the person that I took was my, um, was my son. Mm -hmm. He's, he's going away to Santa Barbara and he says, Oh, oh, all right. All right. As he says, all right, well, dad's got some proper, you know, I said, all right, jump in junior. So he hopped in, we, we took a ride and uh, we zipped all over the place. And, you know, what can I say? I, I, I gave him the keys and, and let him take it for a while uh, for his last couple of days at home before he went to Santa Barbara. And so now my 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 younger son is clamoring for it and he'll get his chance. And then, of course, my daughter, she loves it. Um, so she we're going to go riding, too. So I have to tell you, the best um you know, the best thing that I put on the car, though, or in the car is my wife. I and mean, she rides in it. I feel like. I feel like a new man altogether. <laughs> That's awesome. What a That's nice thing to awesome. say. Yeah, she's she's great. I'll, t- I'll tell you what, you know, the when you were talking about manifesting, right? Yes. And it really um it really triggers something for me because there's the whole I, I, I think things like We're going to a commercial break. You gotta hold that thought. You got um, it. Yeah, hold that thought. We're going to come right back. Don't go anywhere. Rob Lowe's going to be up. Bianca Ricoy, and I am your host, Frankie Picasso, listening to Frankie Sense and More. We're just getting warmed up. Frankie Sense and More will be right back after we pay the bills. It's Marching you hear about Wesley, the golden retriever puppy from Michigan that was fitted with braces? Before you think this is a bona fide insanity, Wesley was born with teeth that were so crooked he couldn't shut his mouth all the way. This was affecting his ability to eat properly. So his owners took him to the Harborfront Hospital for Animals and Veterinarian Dental Solutions, where a doggy orthodontist prescribed him a set of braces. And now, pictures of Wesley smiling with his bright, shiny braces have been circling the Internet. With all that metal wrapped around their teeth, some would think that most dogs would become Bruxel maniacs, but not Wesley. He doesn't mind the braces at all and is now able to eat his food with gusto. A Bruxel maniac is someone with an uncontrollable urge to grind their teeth. It's 
I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. With the days getting darker and colder, you may find that your energy is waning. It's tempting to have another cup of coffee or an energy drink. But remember, the number one way to boost your energy is through exercise. There are over 70 studies proving that people who train consistently report surges in energy. Exercise gets your blood circulating throughout your body. It also transports oxygen throughout your body, and it causes your brain to pour out invigorating neurotransmitters like dopamine. All three forms of exercise, cardiovascular, strength training, and stretching, increase your energy. So the next time you feel your energy fleeing, don't reach for that caffeinated drink. Instead, put on your exercise shoes and treat yourself to an invigorating and energizing workout. I'm Annette Hammond. Like us on Facebook at Fitness Minute with Annette Hammond. And we're back. And I know that you're listening. You've been waiting with anticipation to find out all about Rob's wife. So let's hear it, Rob. So the main thing about my wife is that she's really terrific. Mm-hmm. And that um, sometimes we all need one, <laughs> right? Right. That's definitely true. Sometimes we. Sometimes I. I just forget about how much I have to appreciate. Right. I mean, yeah. with her specifically, with her. So when I was, I was thinking a lot about what Bianca was talking um, previously about about in, you know taking inspiration and doing something as well as meditating. You know, do, actually doing something. And I had read this this practice um, about. Um, you, you, uh, a fellow who wrote a thank you note, like every day to his yeah. wife for a year. And I, I read that and I'm like, you know, that is super freaking fabulous. I'm, I'm going to do it. And what it actually did for me, I and mean, she, she enjoys them. I think she enjoys them. She actually doesn't say very much, but she, um, you know, she reads one every day. Even she told better. me she reads it every day before she gets up, which is super cool. But for me, it's it actually creates more for me. You yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. it's like I I I, I It's mindfulness know, it's, for you. Yeah, yeah. And some days it's hard for me to think of things that I appreciate about her. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, my, we might have like a ripping a ripping disagreement. <laughs> and you know, I I'm oh boy. And but I do, and by taking that time, it it increases my level of, of gratitude, and it just oh my, I, it just it just skyrockets. That's awesome. Absolutely. I love that. Yeah, well, I wanted I, to ask you. Uh, sorry, Bianca, I didn't mean to interrupt no. you there, but I, I did want to ask you. But like, you're both parents. Yeah. And has did being becoming a parent change the way that you? For you, Bianca, did it change, you know, um, did you have to up your game because your hormones changed <laughs> yeah. again, right? Like for your your yeah. disease and... Definitely. Um, that, you know, that's actually, I did uh, battle a little bit of postpartum with the, the flux of all the hormones. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I did have to, have to up my game. It was like, okay, you it was applying the same principles. Everything I had learned in chapter one has to be applied to chapter two. So it was, you know, I got on my nutrition, you know, I, um, are you still vegan? Still vegan. Yes. Good for you. Six years now. Um, and yeah, oh my gosh, I can't stress meditation enough 
before the postpartum period for mm-hmm. mothers. Um, that's actually something that I will be working on um, with an organization called Harvest Home mm-hmm. um, and potentially an organization called um, Ma- Maternal Mental Health Now, um, offering meditation classes to um, for postpartum because it's such a critical time when your body is yeah. going through all of these changes, you're changing and now you're responsible for this life. And it's like, uh, you know, I mean, I would say there's a lot of um, resources, I think, and care for for maybe up to six months after postpartum. But really, like I would say the first two years is really where. You know, you women know, have a have a really hard time our whole lives because not only do you have, you know, like the, you've just had a baby and your hormones are out of whack, but you go through menopause and you want to kill everybody in your house. <laughs> like they're all in danger. Yeah. <laughs> Truly, you know, like it's just never, it's never the right temperature. It's never the right anything for us. Like it really is difficult. Um, I think, but I yeah. wanted to ask you, Bianca, before I go back to Rob, I wanted to ask you, um, do you now have, you know, confirmed, clients or confirmed um, anecdotes of people who have followed what you did and who cured themselves of, of other diseases? You know, I, um, I, I'm in a lot. Um, so I'm not the only one who's, who's done this. Um, and more and more people are coming out now. Um, I'm just starting to really, um, sort of put a format or a formula, if you will, to what I've been doing um, so that I can teach it now. Um, but, you know, it is common in, I think it's it's just not mainstream, but right. there are people out there every day who have overcome cancer, who have mm-hmm. overcome autoimmune diseases through just meditation. And, you know, you have to wonder, are they the lucky ones, though, or, or did something actually happen? You know, were they supposed to? Was that your purpose? It's all about heart and intention and making the decision. But I have a friend who's dying right now. She's dying. She's going to be, you know, she may be gone by the end of the month. Nobody wants to stay more than she does. She's got two little girls. You know, nobody wants to be cured more than she does. She prays, prays, prays. You know, she has really positive attitude. She's got great belief. But, you know, Mm. it's not happening. Yeah. Well, I do believe that, you know, I mean, this is going a little more into the woo, but I do believe that, you know, we, some people play out a certain role because Mm -hmm. we, we play a role, not just for our own life, for our soul's growth, but for the people around us. So that may be the role that she's serving for her family. It ignites something in her children, you know, that changes the world, you know. Right. So, yeah. I do believe that as well. Rob, when you had, had your kids, how difficult was it for you to take second stage? <laughs> I, I thought it was I thought it was really easy. I yeah. thought it was really easy. And what I what I understand now is that um some of my um I guess I guess I guess what I found is as they got a little bit older um, I started pushing more because I wanted them to be, you know, quote unquote successful. And even right. though that yeah. wasn't necessarily what was working for me, it, mm-hmm. it, I, I wanted that for them. And I found myself changing, to be honest with you, I found myself changing and, and 
um, understanding that it was from a um, a mindset, a little bit of fear and a little bit of scarcity, right? Mm-hmm. And and it's hard. I think it's it's hard for me to admit that. I mean, I don't I don't know any guy who likes to who likes to really admit that. But there was some scarcity and fear involved, and in, like being worried that they wouldn't get and that they wouldn't have, and you know, and maybe I wasn't going to do enough. So I thought it was easy because I I love them. Mm-hmm. And I love being with them. But then I also found that I, as they were getting older, that I was pushing them more and pushing them more in certain directions that I thought would, you know, serve them well. And I right. still do in some ways, but the way that I did it, that's what really got affected. It was like the way that I did it, it wasn't as fun because I'm a fun guy. I've always yeah, been a fun guy. Yeah. And it wasn't and their, their it dream. Wasn't, no, it wasn't their dream and it wasn't their experience. Like I could have, I could have, I, I, I strongly believe that I could have done everything and accomplished everything that I wanted and they would have loved it and had fun and they would have had that in their, in their quiver mm, to, right. to, you know, to, to use had I done it and just been myself and come from a different yeah. place. Well, so you know a- what? I got to give you a break because, it, you know, parenting doesn't come with a handbook no matter what. I mean, you can buy all the books you want, but they're really Nobody has your experience. Nobody has, you know, the rules for being a right parent. So you just you fly by the seat of your pants. You do the very best that you can do in the in the moment that you're doing it, and you learn as you go. Like really, that's that's it. That's all you can do. And you know, when my kids come back to me and they're grown up now, and they're like, "But you did this to me," and I'm like, "Well, get over it. <laughs> you're grown up now. You can you can choose to get over that now. You know, you you, you can fix that. You're you know." But it's true. I mean, obviously, you have the best intention for your children. Everybody wants your kids to succeed. Nobody wants them to fail. You don't go through life going, gee, I hope my kid fails. You know, you don't want that. And, yeah, you know, sometimes it's a, a bit of an embarrassment for you as a parent, right? We'll take that ego. The ego goes, no, I got great kids. <laughs> I got smart ones. But, you know, sometimes you don't. Well, that's not, your, that's not your, your, your fault or your problem or anything. That's not your journey. That's their journey. And like you said, Bianca, so I, I think give yourself a break on that one. Um, yeah. I want to talk about one one thing before we go. Um, Bianca has holographic vision. Oh, Tell yeah. us about that. <laughs> so, of course, when you do a deep dive like that in meditation and you reach that point where you're like, okay, my physical body is not a limit, right? Obviously, mm-hmm. um, you start to explore a little more. And it was never my intention to... Um, to ignite those particular gifts. Mm-hmm. Um, but inevitably what happens is, you know, let's say on a, a biological level, you start to open up different areas of the brain, you know, that we normally wouldn't have access to. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just common knowledge. Now we know that, you know, we only use a small percentage of our brain and how many of us are asking, well, can I tap into that? You know, some people say our brains on our arm. Um, yeah, I, I, I've had, you know, I had a metaphysical show for a lot of years. I've had some really strange conversations. We've got three minutes left in this show. I just want to let you guys know that I'm going to give each of you a moment to say your, you know, final words, but go ahead. So you tapped into this extraordinary place and yeah, I'm I'm still playing with it. Still exploring. So what happens? You're flying out of body or no, this was just, you know, I'm actually sort of just, this was a laying down meditation. I wasn't even sitting down. I just kind of lay down and um, I allowed my intuitive guidance to, to lead me through a visualization. 
And in this particular one, I unplugged sort of like the, the spinal cord from the brain. I just visualized sort of mm -hmm. unplugging physically. And it allowed me to go into this sort of deep surrender where, you know, I was having certain visions. At the end of the meditation, I get up and suddenly I can see things now in my field. Um, they look like DNA strands, yeah. almost like little alleles. Um, and I feel a little bit like Spider-Man still, like just discovered this superpower. Don't really Crazy. know how to use it yet. Wow. <laughs> so it's like but, you entered the quantum field and, and the subatomic particles are rearranging themselves on your yeah. holodeck. Yeah. Very cool. Wow. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I wish we had more time to explore this, but we don't. Rob, I'm going to give you the floor for a moment. What well, do you want folks to know? What I want them to know is this. Always always err on the side of love and kindness baby just yeah. you know don't be yeah. don't be stingy with your love that's it <laughs> <laughs> yeah love should be multiplied love divided you could be um polygamous um, no i'm just teasing him i uh, wipe it out wipe it out wipe it out he couldn't um thank you bianca recoy thank you uh sacredwoman.com w o m b a n.com giving back podcast that's rob lowe's podcast listen to him listen he's got a wonderful show he's got wonderful guests they have both been incredible guests here on frankie sense and more i thank you both and i am your host frankie picasso and i will be back next week and i want to thank karina my producer today for doing such a great job see all of you in the future thanks you. Frankie. thank you bye bye See Younger Beat, Hit Rash Production.